you might hear her up there. We've been on this series on how to worship a king. Have you caught the theme yet? <laughs> he is so magnificent. He is so holy and righteous and good. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Somebody, no, nah, I won't even go. <laughs> I'll get started here in a minute. Goodness gracious. Oh, you're great, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. He says, he says, and now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, the, the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born? <laughs> Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Look what they tell you here. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. How do you worship a king? Last week we looked at scripture on one way that it's scriptural to worship is by raising of hands. All through the Bible, when they worship, they would raise their hands. And if that makes you uncomfortable, today is not going to be a good day for you. <laughs> Woo. You see, we've got to understand something about these wise men. We call them wise men. They were actually astronomers looking at the stars. Do you know that they traveled for two years before they ever got to Jesus? See, we got this nativity idea, and we got, I know we got one out front, Galen, it's okay. We got this nativity idea that, that you know, it was all this big somber night and everything. Because we sing songs like silent night. You know, it was anything but silent. Two years later, after he was born, his star was still in the sky. And they traveled watching that star for two straight years. And we struggled driving 15 minutes to come to church, lift our hands. Oh, I know not you. Everybody wanted to get up this morning. And we, like, we act like it's, it's, it's hard on us. Two years. When's the last time you went on a two-year journey to worship for one night? A two-year journey to worship for one night. Oh, my goodness. Well, when they, when they got to where they were going, you see, we've got this idea that it was three long guys on camels that just rolled into town. You know, that wouldn't make much of a noise. Three long guys on camels could have got in and out of town easy. But we've got to remember, these guys were also very rich men. In some places, they're inter they're, it's interpreted as kings. Have you ever seen a king travel alone? And they come to worship a king. So here you have wise men who are astronomers, kings from the east, travel two years to worship another king. And they knew he had just been born. And so they, they, they find themselves in town 
they brought a caravan, folks. We got to get, get, get into understanding. This was a caravan that rolled into town. And the word says that Herod became afraid. He thought he was getting invaded. And when this caravan rolled into town, Herod said, well, bring him to me. Let me see what's going on. And, and so this is where these verses come from. And uh, you, I don't know if you know much about Herod. Herod was not a good man. He, he, was, he was actually an evil king. And he was afraid for his kingdom. And in Matthew chapter uh, 2, verses 7 and 8, that won't be on your screen, he tells him, he said, well, I'll tell you what, you guys go ahead, find the king you're looking for, and when you find him, then come back and tell me where he is, that I can go worship too. Except after they left, he signed a decree that every child from two years old and under be killed. He was going to guarantee his throne was going to be safe. This is why that happened. This is why uh, we find this. And you, <laughs> All right, how do you know, because I, I heard the brakes go on a minute ago. How do you know it was about two years? Well, that's what history says. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. Let's get more. What physical place did his mama lay him? In a manger. Go to verse 9 of Matthew 2. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceeding with great joy. Now Luke's version of this says when they came to the house. Mary and Joseph had already gotten a house by this time. They were still there. They weren't going to travel back to Nazareth with a baby. So now they had gotten a house. So this wasn't the night Jesus was born. But what I want to look at, last week we talked about the raising of hands in worship. You want to know how much fun verse 10 is? Zach, you do, don't you? It says, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. We have no idea what these words really mean, do we? The word rejoice there actually means, it'll be on your screen, the word rejoice means to rejoice. To be glad, to be joyful, to be full of joy. Didn't see that one coming at all, did you? The word exceedingly means excessive and violent. This was not normal praise these guys came to do. They began to get excessive with their praise. And we think we're wild. Their praise looked violent. It says, and they rejoiced, they got joyful with excessive, even violent praise. When's the last time our praise looked like that? We get embarrassed because we're afraid somebody's going to see us move our feet. Somebody will see us raise our hands. Somebody will see us get excited. But I, like I said today, go home, probably in any household here, probably not mine and Aaron's because, you know, it's been bad. Uh, when there's a going, there are games coming on and people yell 
I had a friend, he's a pastor of a church, one of my best friends. If, if he, he's a Kentucky basketball fan, and if Kentucky loses, he loses. I, I told him one day, I said, you're going to lose your religion over this stuff, man. I said, you go, he goes absolutely nuts. Why? Because his, and if they win, he goes crazy too. You should have seen him when he came back from vacation. I decorated his room with all Duke University stuff. There was some excessive violence went on, but it was a whole different kind. Any UK fans in here? No, not me. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler, my son-in-law. I know, he's, I know he's watching me right now. So rejoice means to simply rejoice, to be full of joy, exceedingly. Means excessive violence. But that wasn't enough. It said they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. That word great, it's as affecting the mind and causing emotion. Worship, praise should bring an emotion. Excessive emotion. Often looks violent emotion. He said, it's affecting the mind, causing it's used of joy and ecstasy. Man, do you realize how much these guys praised when they came to the baby? I know this is not what you think of when you think of a Christmas series. But yet here we are. You know what the Greek word for that is, Bob? It's megas. Guess what we get from that? Mega. <laughs> so they came with mega praise. Not just a little praise, an excessive pr amount of praise, an excessive amount of joy. They became overwhelmed to the point of ecstasy. That word there is translated 33 times in the Old Testament as loud. They get it. You all need to pick up. It's, ex it's, it, 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 it's translated as loud. See, you all get quieter the closer I get. <laughs> it's translated as loud. When we come before God, when we enter into his house, when we come before his throne, they, they traveled for two years. And when they got to the place where they could worship their king, it began to well up in them. And then it got excessive. And then it looked wild. And then it was ecstatic joy when they knew they were in the presence of their king. How dare we ever come to a church and sit down and not worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords who has come took away the sin of the world I'll get through the fourth word here in a minute you know what the word joy means you think you do exultant exuberant bliss exuberant Bliss. One term says drunk. Oh, don't start talking that drunk stuff. 
See, praise should do something to us. It should elicit something inside of us. You imagine as they rolled up a caravan. We've got this idea, one little box of myrrh and one little box of gold and one little box of frankincense and they lay it down in front. That ain't what happened. What happened was Joseph looked out the front door because he heard the ground rattle. And here come a caravan with (laughs) carts full of gold. Well, how do you know they had carts full of gold? You do know Jesus wasn't poor, right? We've looked at this time and time and time again. He had a house. It's in the scripture. It's funny how we don't look at it. Because he said this, because we read the scripture where, he, where Jesus said, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. We think he was some homeless guy just roaming around. <laughs> homeless, frail, skinny white dude. Rolling around going, I ain't got nothing. Come and follow me. <laughs> you jump up. You tell me when's the, when's the next time you're going to do that. <laughs> but a joy, they came out. When they saw this star, and it begins to become a boisterous, no-holds-barred party happening right in front of Mary and Joseph's house. It's, it's like their emotions threw them into some wild fit. And we get upset because somebody beside us in church got a little too loud. Or they waved a flag a little too hard. If you're going to wave a flag, just don't hit nobody with them. Or Bob picks up a funny-shaped horn and decides to blow it. But you see, when we understand that, the, that praise is locked to your emotions, it's locked to something inside of you. This isn't a garden variety happiness. This is something that should stir us so much that we come to service ready to experience exceedingly great joy. <laughs> read the, I'm going to read the... Uh, Chapter, verse 10, again, out of the message. Maybe. Man. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. See, we can say what we want about those paraphrases. It's translated better there. They were in the right place and it arrived at the right time. The Passion Translation, the same verse. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic, they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. From the depths of their soul, there came a praise. I'm telling you today, if we would begin to understand the God in who we serve, understand what this time of year represents, that he came in the flesh to make sure that sin and death is conquered forever. 
that we know that he's on our side and he's got our back. That we know that he's there when we don't see anybody else. We know that he's going to go with us to the end because he promised to go with me to the end. It brings up something out of me, Jerry. It brings something up that I can't sit still. I can't hold still. I act like a drunk man. Maybe we don't know our God. We work on all these things and forget that his plans for you are to prosper you. (laughs) That he's working all things together for your good. This is what the word says about it. So why aren't we overjoyed? Why aren't we ecstatic? Why aren't we unhinged? (laughs) You should never live a life that's underjoyed. Smile. Clap. Worship. Praise. Get loud. When When did church become this sanctimonious, self-righteous show. When did it become this thing where you've got to come in here with reverence? You've got to wear your suit and tie and have your hair cut the right way. And If you're tattooed, don't, don't show yours. Where you're, we do all these things. Why? Because that's what Christians do. Well, I just saw where a nation of followers of Christ was absolutely beside themselves because they had traveled for two years for one night of worship. They were absolutely beside themselves. You have to know your God. That's When people see believers, they should be saying, that's the happiest person I've ever met. That's the happiest people on earth. But that's not what they say about most believers. We have become the ones, don't get your ball in my yard. We have become known for more of what we're against than more of what we're for. And we hand you, here's the list. Don't, 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 don't. Rather than when we come, we got to say that God has come to set you free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. We got to know that you've been turned loose. You've been opened up. And God has set you free. Now we're going to get uncomfortable. I used to teach school. Believe it or not. Emily, I taught a speech class. The first day, I took him out because I knew everybody's nervous at a speech class. Everybody outside. Went out on the parking lot, lined everybody up on the guardrail. They had one assignment that day. Guess what it was? To shout. Shout. I didn't care what they said, I didn't care what they yelled. I didn't care what word came. I don't care if it was a word that even come out of their mouth. If they just made just a noise. That was the assignment. And I was amazed at how I had one one young man absolutely took a zero on the on the day 
because he refused to open his mouth. And I thought, man, how much is that like church? We come and we watch everybody line up against the guardrail because they're so guarded. And the word says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And if I'd go, shout. That's not, that's not what we do in church. Really? Because these guys were plumb ecstatic beside themselves full of bliss when they came before the king. He took a zero on the day because he refused. Man, I hope I don't ever get to the point where I take a zero because it's a day that I forget to shout. Listen, you say, well, you know, it's all right in service. Don't come here during the afternoon then. Because depending on what's going on on my speakers, you will hear me shout up and down the halls of his church. You will hear something come out of me. Bob's been in here. He's heard it. So guess what we're going to look at today? Shout. Anybody remember that song? Somebody started it. There it is. It's an old song. Who remembers it now? Shout, shout. Come on, there you go. <laughs> Say, no, wait a minute, you're all just crazy. Okay. Song. Uh, what does shout mean? Let's look at it first. Shout means a loud cry. You can't, sh- you can't shout like this. Shout is a loud cry expressing strong emotion or calling to attention. Why do we shout in church? Because we're calling attention to God. Why do we shout in church? Because it represents a strong emotion. Half the time all I can do is scream yes, but that's all it needs. Go to Psalm 100. Remember last week I gave you a a homework assignment. Try lifting your hands, raising your hands in worship. I'm not going to ask who did it. Ain't no shame. I did get a text that said two hands up. Look what he says here. Make a joyful noise. Make a what? Noise. Church should never be silent. Make a joyful noise to the Lord Everybody who feels like it. Everybody who's not embarrassed. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. No, he said make a joyful noise to the Lord. All, that means nobody's getting out of this. Visitors, welcome home. That means nobody's getting out of this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, verse 2. <laughs> Serve the Lord with sad face, long face, horse face, be grumpy, be bleh. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who has made us, and we his people, we We are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving 
into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all. Make a joyful noise. And here, you know, and we always, we always liken that to somebody who can't sing real well. So, well, they're making a joyful noise. They are. Except that's not what he's talking about. Joyful noise means to shout. It means to raise a sound. It means to cry out. It means to give a blast. It means to shout in triumph, to shout in applause, to shout for joy. I'm challenging harvest this morning. Praise should look different from here on out. There should be some hands waving. There should be some voices raised. Shout. He says that, that make a joyful noise. So what he's saying, he said, make a shout, raise a sound, cry out, give a blast, shout in triumph and shout in applause to the Lord, all the earth. Shout everything. And when he goes on down there and said, enter his courts with thanksgiving, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his court with praise. Those two words refers to the lifting of hands and praise is about your voice. We cannot worship God silently. We, can, we can't praise Him. There is silent worship. We'll look at that some other time. But if we're going to praise Him, Stanley, it's going to be loud. It's going to be wild. It's going to be hands raised. But see, what happens is we get uncomfortable because our Western culture has told us what church is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like a dude up front who doesn't move. He can stand right here, and I'm not saying nothing for those who can. I can't. Impossible. Uh, but it needs to have something. Go to Psalm 20, verse 5. Psalm 20, verse 5. He says, I will rejoice in your salvation and, the name of our God, and in the name of our God. He will set up our, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fill all your petitions. We will rejoice. You know what that word is there, Bob? It's a verb. I got any teachers in here this morning? Oh, I got one back here. Yeah. What does a verb do, Mike? It's an action word. When he says here, I will rejoice, he's not saying that you're going to sit still. It's an action. Rejoicing is an action. And in this phrase here, it actually means to shout for joy. And it often means exultation, crying out for joy. And it's used most often in praising the Lord. All right, you ready? So, this next part is going to get you. Are you ready, Maddie? Because this word rejoice. Go. It indicates a person who is under the influence. 
In other words, our shouts, our praise should look awful funny to somebody who doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> what happened on the day of Pentecost? The word says they were all gathered together with one mind and one accord. And it said that when the Spirit of God came down, cloven tongues of fire appeared over all them. They began to hear him speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And those who were around said, these are drunk. That word rejoice indicates a person who is under the influence of wine and is making sounds. It is response as staggering person or one who is barely awake. Our rejoicing don't look like this a lot of times. But this is what rejoicing is. This is what it looks like. Now, not everybody's going to express everything the same. Nobody's telling you you have to express it just like this. But there needs to come an expression. Because it's coming from here, knowing our God. Go to Psalm 66. How to worship a king. You know what's funny? How many was at the uh, uh, Christmas party Friday night? All right. Wasn't it great? Fantastic. Brenda? Brenda done a fantastic job like she always does. But when our band came up to, 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 to sing Perry, you notice everybody, it, it all shifted. There was adults dancing, and there were kids dancing, and people just having fun and being loud. My favorite was that one little boy who stood up front with these hands like this, just going. <laughs> Love that kid. I went over and just banged my head with him for a while. I don't know who that kid is. But see, it brought something out of him. We played that music, and it brought something out of people. Why in the world do we come to church and it not bring the same excitement? It not bring the same joy? It not bring the same shout? It not bring the same dance? Mm. Shout for the joy to God. Please. No. There's no please. Shout to joy. Did I tell you I was in Psalm 66? Okay. All the earth... There it is again, Dennis. Nobody's getting out of it. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of men. Last week we looked at raising our hands in worship. Today we've seen several scriptures already. And several meaning of different words, Ruth, that says we need to bring a shout. I don't know what our music was like today. My in-ears were messed up. I hope it was really loud. 
I mean really loud. I hope it was. <laughs> you know why we do that? I won't be honest with you. People ask me, well, why do you turn the lights off? Because people get uncomfortable praising God when, they see, when they're afraid somebody else sees them. There's a reason why the lights go down. Try it over here. <laughs> and you know why the music's on a little on the loud side? So hopefully next week, somebody who's never let out a shout in church, and if you're here and this is your first time, you probably thought, who in the world? Because I could just hear one person today. I don't even know who I was going, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Let it be loud. So next week, somebody who's never raised their voice, you quiet, shy person. I'm not that way, you can tell. Just lift your voice. Why? We all should be because we all know our God. Well, I'm not sure I can do that. I want to give you six reasons to shout for joy this Christmas. All right? Six reasons to shout for joy this Christmas. Here we go. Reason number one, God loves you. If there's nothing else, he loves you. He loves you so much, he can't stand it. He can't stand to be away from you. That's why he lives on the inside. He can't stand any separation. That's why Jesus came, to remove the separation between humanity and God. <laughs> What's Corinthians tell us? That God was in Christ, what? Reconciling the world to himself. And if you read King James Version, it says, not imputing man's sins against him. That word imputing means he's not holding man's sins against him. He loves you so much, he's not even holding your sin against you. Sure, I can shout. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. He said, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved him, but that he loved us. Amen. He didn't wait on me to get it right, Stanley. He didn't wait to, to, to love me so, until I came to him. And while I was <laughs> not even trying to love him, he still loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. This is love. Not that you loved him, but that he loves you. Not that he's waiting for you to get everything in your life, your life straight. I've been in ministry for 35 years. And half the time my life still ain't straight. Man, y'all get scared quick. Half the time my life still ain't straight. I have to work on myself all the time too. Let's be honest about it. We, none of us got it all together yet. But you know what the love of God said? That's all right. I'm going to love you anyhow. I'm going to love you past your hurt. 
I'm going to love you past your fear. I'm going to love you past your sin. I'm going to love you no matter what you've done. I'm going to love you no matter who you did it with. I'm going to love you because that is who he is. He is love. And this is love. Not that I loved him first, but he loved me first. So you know why I act like I do? I can shout. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, I think King James says while we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners. <laughs> while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love was so great, he went to a cross, whether you would accept him or not. That just blows my mind. Somebody loved me that much. But while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I believe it's the message that says, while we were of no use to him whatsoever, while we were of no use to him whatsoever, Christ died for us. My goodness. I love that phrasing. That's my favorite. While we were, I was no use to him. You ever looked at somebody who's real mad and said, I ain't got no use for them? Or is that, that me and Galen may understand what that means. Being West Virginian, you probably get it. I don't get what that, I've got no use for them. While I was of no use to God, he died for me. Look, go on, look what he says. <coughs> Keep going, Bob. For we, verse 7, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would die, uh, dare even to die. But God, look at eight, but God shows his love for us in while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So why am I going to shout? Why am I going to lift my hands? Well, the first reason is none other than God loves me and there's not a thing I can do about it. There's not a thing you can do about it. He's going to love you. Yes. Now, let, let's, let's uh, offer a disclaimer here. Just because he loves me doesn't mean he agrees with everything I'm doing. And doesn't mean that he wants me to clean up my act. All right, that's what I'm saying. But he still loves me. Reason number two why we should shout this Christmas. Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> Life is ours to reign. You know, you were meant to reign in life. You were meant to have a handle on life. Well, life's just running me over. Well, it's time to stop because that's not who you are. That's not what you are. That's not what you're supposed to be going through. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. When we accept that salvation, when we get that salvation and make it our reality, 
He says, you will reign in life. Life's not supposed to be beaten up on you. You're supposed to be taking life by the horns. You're supposed to be grabbing that thing. You say, well, now, mm, verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification for all men. You see, you have Christ on the inside of you. You've accepted this salvation. Life is yours to reign. Take a hold. People say all the time, well, that sounds like name it and claim it. It has nothing to do with name it and claim it. It has everything to do with what the Word says. <laughs> I've scared some people now. You, verse 17 again, Bob. Back that up, those two verses, Bob. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Reason number three that we're going to shout this Christmas, and let it not just be Christmas. Can I use you for an example real quick, Joe? When Joe first came to me, he came and talked to me about worship. One of the first conversations we ever had. He said, man, I don't know about it, all this raising hands and all this shouting and, and all this other stuff. But I hear the biggest voice over here this morning. <laughs> you know why? Because now reality, salvation is real. And you understand where God's brought you from and where God's getting ready to take you to. And the very thing you've been praying about, he says he's getting ready to do it. Just be patient in what he's got prepared for you. And he's rolling things out. And you can only go at one step at a time, but he's going to take that thing and put you right where God wants, where he wants you to be. You know why I'm going to shout, Pastor Ted? Because death can't stop me. <laughs> death itself cannot, you know, I am not, I'm, don't raise your hands. I don't know who's afraid of death. I don't know who's afraid of dying. I am not afraid to die. Listen, I got, I got septic last year, something like that. I was sitting in, in a doctor's office. I'm starting to throw up. I'm having chest pain and I'm dropping out. They, they, I, don't, I, I wish I could tell you everything that happened in that day. I can't because the next thing I know, I wake up in the hospital. Hey, Ron, not one fear. The only thing I was worried about is I'd have to leave her. Sorry, baby. My daughter is sitting there, my son's sitting back there. And I, what, what about us? She's the only thing that went through my mind, Bob. You know why? Because death is not an enemy that we have to be afraid of. 
This is the last hurdle to greatest victory we'll ever see. It's just another hurdle. It's just a hurdle. We, you know, <laughs> go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. The sting of death is sin. Well, what did Jesus do? He removed what? He hung it on the cross. What did he do? He took sin. So guess what? Death has no more hold. Death is, doesn't have a sting. It doesn't hurt. There's nothing to be afraid of. I will die with a smile on my face and wake up with another smile. Just in a new reality. Whew. The sting of death is sin. Well, Jesus took care of it. Stinger. And the power of sin is the law, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death can't even stop you. You need to live life with no fear, unabandoned faith, abandoned hope, unabandoned joy. Because what's the worst that can happen? You die? Oh, well. Listen, we just had a member leave here and, and win her race yesterday. She just won. Man, what are you afraid of? Death can't even stop you. Yeah, but we go through hard times. Well, that's the next reason. We're going to shout for joy. Is we have a divine supply of everything that we'll need. Philippians, I think is the next verse, isn't it? Chapter 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply. My God shall supply your Now, if you're reading King James Version, it says, my God shall supply all your needs. Stanley, stand up. Stand up, man. Why are you waiting on your own Stanley I got? You do it every time. My God shall supply your every need. Every need. Every need. Every need. Every need. In Jesus' name, every need. And my God shall supply your every need. Amen? You got to get in agreement with that, man. You got some plans going on. You're ready to do some things. Get ready. You got to have your needs supplied. And my God will supply your every need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's not going to just make you get it on your own merits or on your own abilities or what even your job can produce for you. He said, my God will supply all your need according to his riches, not your riches. Your job doesn't matter in his supply. Somebody needs to hear that. Your job doesn't matter in his supply. That's good. I don't care what you say. And my God shall, for you, good. My God shall supply 
your every need according to his riches. It's his. Learn to trust your father. And then all of a sudden, I'll shout. <coughs> Told you I went septic a year or so back. Went in the hospital. They, 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 I guess they thought I was dying the way they took me out of there. But you know why else I'm going to shout? Not only do I have a divine supply, but healing is promised in the Word. I'm going to shout just because healing is supplied. Psalms. <coughs> Psalm 107, verse 19. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distresses. He sent out His Word, and what? Healed them. In the beginning was the and the Word was with God, and the Word, and the Word became flesh. We called Him Jesus, and dwelt among men. They cried unto the Lord in their distresses, and He heard them. And He sent His Word, and healed them, and delivered them, go ahead, from their destruction. Praise God. Let... Here we go. You ready? Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful words on the children of men, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deed in songs of joy. Man, what a Christmas we can have. <laughs> Well, we've already listened to the Lord this far. We might as well keep doing it. Who's uh, dealing with a, a, just a rattle in their, in their chest? Stand up. Stand up. <coughs> it's, that's why I've been coughing here. I just felt this, like I was breathing something and it's rattling. You stand up if that's you. Somebody beside them, put your hands on them. The Word said they lay hands on the sick and every cover. Didn't say I do it. Put your hands on them. Somebody go to you. If you see somebody who doesn't have hands put on them, put hands on them. Put hands on them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we declare the word of God over this. The word says they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so right now, I speak to lungs in Jesus' name. I say lungs begin to clear, begin to open up. Let breath come just as the Spirit breathed in the garden. Let breath come now in Jesus' name. Clear up. Clear up. Hallelujah. When you, if you're done praying, you can go be back to be seated. Katie, stop right there. Put your hands on Joe behind you. Oh, who's, who's struggling with some blood pressure that's out of control? Anybody else? She. Okay. Just you. Father, right now, lift your hand this way. Come on, we're, we're agreeing together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you said 
lay hands on the sick and they recover. Your word says healing is supplied. It's the children's bread. And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we speak life, health, and healing, blood pressure, return to normal. We speak over that. The medicine that the doctor has given you, we thank you, Father, that it begins to work and do what it's supposed to do and that it just continues to get better at your behest, Lord, because your healing and your word is true. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Reason number six, why we're going to shout for joy this year, is hell is not. (laughs) Yes! Go ahead, praise him. I don't care. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. (laughs) Hell is not our destiny. No matter what comes, no matter what goes, no matter what happens, we know what our God has supplied. We know that the cross was enough and the grave showed it open. And we know that when he hung sin on the cross, he took care of hell forever. He went into hell and for three days. You do know this, right? The word says that he went into hell. Hell. And if you're not sure that hell's not your destiny, it's your lucky day. I guarantee it's not. All you have to do is say, okay, Jesus. You can be as sure as I'm standing here right now. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. <laughs> Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. They had cast out a bunch of devils. He says that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know why I'm going to shout? My name's in heaven. You know why I'm going to rejoice? Hell is no part of me, never going to see me. This is as close, this is as close as I'm ever going to get. So I can shout. I can act a fool. You can think I'm weird if you want to, that's okay. I'm not going, don't go with me. Irene, don't go there. Go with me. Romans chapter 8. We're going to close right here. Romans chapter 8. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It was him who did it, not me. 
If I did it, then he owes me something, but I had nothing to do with this. (laughs) I had nothing to do with this. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who indeed is interceding for us. You ready? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. In all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death or life or angels or rulers or things present or things to come or powers or height or depth or any else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, I have a ton of reasons to shout this Christmas. I have a ton of reasons to shout on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. I have enough to shout about on Wednesday evening and and Tuesday evening. Hey, all day long, it ought to bring something up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. I thank you, Lord, that you have done more than we could ever imagine. And so, Lord, as we lift our hands, as we raise our voices, let it ever be in praise for the things that you have done for us. Woo! In Jesus' name, amen. amen.